today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Hamilton is uh, going to lose, we are told, about $9 million in funding this year uh, because of some of the uh, provincial cuts and changes in policy that have occurred. It's uh, to suggest it's going to be challenging for the city of Hamilton, I think is probably a massive understatement. Joining us to talk about this and outlining exactly the challenge ahead is uh, Paul Johnson. Paul is the General Manager of Health and Safety Communities for the City of Hamilton. Paul, good morning. How are you doing today? Hi there. Okay, I think we're okay now. Hi, hi, Paul. Hey, how are you, Bill? Good, I good. You cut me off because I was a Raptors fan or something. No. Like that. <laughs> we're back together. <laughs> yeah, well, the Raptors. Don't even get me started on the Raptors. I know. Well, uh, another segment. It was only one guy needed a shower last night because they was the only one that had to put any effort into it. But anyway, I digress. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, we know that every time there's a change of government, invariably there's going to be a change of policy. Uh, I talked to some of the, uh, the councillors who uh, listened to your uh, presentation the other day at, in the, uh, the council chambers, and they're telling me that they had this terrible sense of deja vu that they've been through this before, but 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so, you know, we have seen these things happen, both federally and provincially in the past, and, and you're right, there are always uh, changes. We have, uh, you know, I think two challenges. Uh, you know, one is to, to, to understand what these changes will mean long-term to service delivery in the city, but the more acute challenge, and that's what I was sharing with uh, with uh, our committee yesterday, is that some of these changes happen in-year, and we've already struck our budget, and some of the changes are significant in dollar value. And so our challenge uh, right now is uh, how do we continue through 2019 while we continue to plan for 2020 and beyond? Well, and, and to my point, uh, you know, when I was... I was that was a reference, obviously, to the Mike Harris downloading that occurred in the 1990s, and uh, that predates your time there with the, the, the city staff at that stage. But here's here's the concern, uh, and I think you just hit the, the nail on the on the head here. The thing I think a lot of concerns about. I talked to the Guelph mayor about this yesterday. Of course, he's the uh, uh, chairman of the uh, Large Urban Mayors Caucus, and they've written a letter to uh, Queens Park about this. You guys have already done your budgets. You, this is all put to bed, uh, and so uh, this is this is like looking under seat cushions now, trying to find extra money that you're absolutely positively need now. Uh, correct, and you know why we're not raising the alarm in any kind of way to be you know advocates or or, or just be contrarian. The reality is, it is it is too much uh, money for us to to figure it out in year. And uh, as you know, uh, the, the staff that we have are deal with with ups and downs in our budgets all the time. Um, but when you get to the stage where it's you know, close to nine million dollars uh, estimated in this uh, in this in this year. Uh, it's just impossible for us to do that in our normal course of of good leadership and management. So we're going to have to look at at other ways. Um, you know, I said clearly yesterday, uh, as of today and tomorrow, and certainly in the coming weeks, there is no change in service delivery. But it uh, becomes harder and harder to figure out how we would have just simply absorbed this. Uh, so we're going to have to look at at all of those options, bring them back in a little bit. But that's the the challenge we have. And then looking forward. The other piece is, is we're really waiting to see what do some of these larger policy shifts mean. You know, we have hundreds of people that deliver public health services and paramedic services, and so discussions around regionalization are not only very personal for the staff to deliver the service, but from our standpoint about how we ensure the best uh, uh, services are available for Hamiltonians. Uh, we just need to more, need more information. And while I understand consultation and conversation is is 
happening, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think we'd all really like to know a bit more of the detail and what the what people are thinking is going to happen, so that we can start to share those messages as well. Well, and the tone I think is is striking the right chord here too, Paul. I mean, I, I understand some people in council are going to get political about this, but I mean they're politicians, so you expect that. But yeah, the tax you seem to be taking here is look at you're not saying hey, you know the, these evil people at Queens Park. I mean they're the government and they're making policies, uh, and even the large urban mayor's letter that uh, is going to to the premier this week essentially says I, we know you what you're going do here we know that you've got challenges but maybe too slow maybe maybe it's too fast rather maybe we just need to slow down a little bit and basically i guess give cities like hamilton a chance to kind of you know read the tea leaves and see just what needs to be done here yeah absolutely when you you know you read major shifts uh, in a in a budget that's delivered uh, you know on the second week of april and the changes are retroactive to the first of april uh, you start to say, okay, and, and then we realize that we don't even really we don't have our final budget packages yet. They didn't up, they didn't speed up the time frame in getting us our our formal documents. So, this is the the kind of running in place. And I think the other piece is that you know we need to know that it's not across all our programs. Uh, when it comes to housing, we got some very good news. Uh, not only were there no reductions in our in some of our current envelopes, we received some more money to deal with the backlog of of uh, social housing repairs that we need to do. So. Uh, you're quite right. Um, you know, my approach is it's, uh, you know, whenever I'm hit with a challenge that is beyond what we can just manage internally, we have to let the community and council know, and we've done that. We've got to figure out how to uh, to tackle this. But, you know, some of these programs are really critical. And, and the other side of this where we do want to communicate very strongly is, uh, you know, the impact on the community, particularly in our two largest areas, child care and early learning and in public health, would be felt. These are not administrative changes where we have to find a bit more administrative dollars. We're talking about the potential for, you know, six or seven hundred child care spaces to be impacted by uh, by reductions in funding. Uh, you know, our affordability plan, which lowered the cost of child care for uh, 4,000 uh, child care spaces in this community would be in jeopardy. So these have very real impacts to people, and that's why we want to really work together to try and figure out where we're going. Again, we get it. Policies change. Uh, realities change. But there's very limited resources from a property tax base to, ch- to deal with some of these. I s- shared with somebody yesterday, like, the overall dollar figure is not dramatic. The city of Hamilton has an over $2 billion budget, so we are talking about $9 million on that. But think about it from a property tax perspective. That's about 1%. So, you know, that puts it in context that this has real impact on the property taxpayers, and that's why we're concerned. Well, and I guess the, the sting here, though, Paul, is that this is affecting frontline services. Uh, you know, there's always going to be an edict in, in government, okay, to try to find efficiencies and, you know, don't be top-heavy with management. I mean, we've heard all of those cliches in the past, and some municipalities do it better than others. But when you start looking at, uh, at child care spaces that are going to be removed now because there's not enough money for it, or, or other things that are happening with Ontario Works, we can get into those. Long-term care, uh, how often are we talking about how essential long-term care is to our health care system? Uh, this, this is, this is going to be tough, and uh, it's tough enough for the city council, but it's going to be tough for the community to, to uh, grapple with this and to absorb this because it, it is going to have a service production impact on, on just about everybody. Well, it is. And, and, you know, we've always been very, uh, very efficient and effective with the use of resources. We don't budget for large increases in the hope that government will come and, and allow us to expand and, 
and, and bail us out on, on some of our, our abilities to look at continuous improvement, we do that. I mean, all we did in long-term care was hope for about a 1% increase. We've normally received a two, a little more than 2% increase. Long-term care is under extreme pressure. The, the challenges of, of the residents who call our long-term care facilities home uh, are increasing. The amount of care that we need to provide is increasing. And so, uh, you know, this is really the front line of, of uh, services that are critical to the community. And I don't want to see anything done to jeopardize that. And by the same token, you know, we've committed in this city, it's right in our in our vision statement, uh, that, that we want to be the best place to raise a child and age successfully. Well, uh, we need to make sure that we continue to support early learning and childcare spaces. So it does have that frontline impact. Um, you know, we're going to work hard to uh, to make sure there isn't a service reduction, and that's not where our starting point will be. But, uh, you know, as I say off the top, and you've, uh, you've reiterated as well, it becomes very difficult to figure out how we will massage this uh, into a, a net zero uh, situation for Hamilton. Yeah, and this is uh, the stuff that affects the most vulnerable, I think, is the one that really, I think, gets people upset about this. Uh, for instance, the addiction services, uh, about 140 people in that program. Uh, we know we have a, a, an addiction problem. We have a fentanyl problem here. We have an opioid crisis in this city. And, uh, well, we have one province wide, but, I mean, the numbers are particularly harsh here in, in the city of Hamilton right now. And you have to wonder when they cut service or money for services like that, just what kind of an impact that's going to have on those people. Yeah, and, and this, uh, you know, comes back really to, uh, in some ways, a process a challenge and a process frustration, uh, perhaps more than the actual decisions themselves. Uh, there's no mistaking the fact that government is going to place and has committed to increasing funding for uh, services like mental health and, and addiction services, and, and that's wonderful. The challenge is that when we lose supports for, for folks who want access to those services before those new programs or enhanced programs are in place, excuse me, I worry about you know, the, the, the transition period and the gap period. So, you know, if these things had been phased in in a little different process, and that's, I think, what a lot of the conversation is, is about how could we work together to perhaps change the timing on some of these so it's, so it's better off. Uh, because if more money is going into health services to deal with mental health and addictions, I'm happy to have a better response and a referral system through Ontario Works to make that happen. I'm not so sure it's about the program, but it is about the people who are in that program and how do we ensure that their care is consistent uh, through this through this process. And then on the public health side, you know, the, the, the vast impact of public health um, is probably not well known. Uh, Dr. Richardson, our medical officer of health, uh, you know, often says as many in public health do that, you know, when things are, you know, you, when you know, when you don't hear about public health, that probably means they're doing their job. Because if you are hearing, they're sort of like referees, aren't they? Hey, hey, that's right. Uh, when you hear about public health on a daily basis, it probably means our community's in crisis. And and the reality is, it's not just about the inspections of restaurants. Or that's you know an important part of it, but it is about you know, uh, our, our consumption and treatment services, uh, places that are on the front lines of dealing with the opioid issue. Uh, it's uh, some of our harm reduction work. It's the work we do with, uh, uh, with families and young families and prenatal work. So we're, we're out there as public health doing a variety of things that keep this community healthy and safe. And all of these things we want to maintain. And the challenge for us will be to do that as these impacts of the funding changes are happening. And, uh, again, you know, throw throw a challenge to my team uh, for next year, and I bet you we could come up with some great solutions. Um, our, our our panic a little bit at the moment is that we're trying to do this while the clock is ticking. Well, not only that, but you 
don't really even have a clear picture as to what's going to be happening. I mean, on the issue of public health, Paul, we uh, we also know that uh, there's another element that this, another shoe that might drop here, because they're talking about amalgamating public health services, uh, and we don't even know with whom at this point, and, and that could have an impact on what's going to happen with service delivery. Well, it will, and, and certainly uh, they are very uh, you know committed to that and, and have said so. Really happy that next week uh, we're going to have our, our one-on-one call with the Ministry of Health uh, to be able to ask some questions and and hopefully gain a bit more information about um, uh, not only what's happening, but also the time frame. So sometimes I, I, I understand people can't, they, the information isn't available, but I just want to know when it'll be available. And so we'd love to know a critical path. We'd love to know what's happening and have a real discussion about what might be regionalized versus what is going to stay local. Because in things like, um, you know, our paramedic service and things like public health, uh, the more we have a direct uh, relationship locally, the better off we'll be. The needs of Hamiltonians are different than other uh, areas around us, and so a strong, strong presence locally with local control and planning is really, really critically important. Could there be some things that are regionalized? Probably. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about it, data sharing, things like that should be done regionally. There's no way that we should have 35 different areas that speak differently to each other. But those are some of the pieces behind the scenes at uh, the front lines uh, our response to opioid will be different than other places. Our response to uh, the challenges in our community will be different than other places. And uh, we need to make sure that those uh, those local decisions can still be made. One other quick thing, because I think it's essential. And again, this is one of these uh, aspects that's going to have a direct impact on the community here, and that's ambulance service. Uh, some years ago, of course, they downloaded the cost of ambulance services. Subsequent governments have loaded it up. And I think the, the cost of that was a share by the city and and the, the government. Uh, and that's ex- especially per- uh, important to us right now because there, there's a new ambulance supposed to be purchased and 10 new uh, paramedics are supposed to be hired right now. And it looks at this point anyway, Paul, doesn't it, that we're going to have to absorb that in total cost now? So uh, already hired, already on the road. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and the 50% that we normally receive, it looks like in the first year, we'd probably have to absorb that. Our hope is that the overall envelope will increase um, some of these aren't particularly new challenges, but on top of everything else this year, it will be a challenge for us. And then the bigger question is, again, this conversation about regionalization. It's far less defined on the paramedic side of things. But we really <clears throat> feel that a dialogue with the provinces is, is important because some of their goals are shared goals with our paramedic chief. The ability for us to have um, uh, you know, a different approach to the dispatching of calls, we need that more locally uh, uh, managed and have local input to that, and we could really triage better and deliver better service and more timely service to our to our community. Uh, things like alternative destinations, uh, you know, quite frankly, that bill is in place. The regulations uh, around it just need to be proclaimed, and we can we can start to move on some of these things. So, perhaps some of the problems that they see, which we agree are problems, and the solutions are are within our grasp, and we don't need to to have some some regionalization occur to make that that happen. So we're hopeful that we can have a dialogue about what could happen really quickly, because as you know, with dealing with the code zero issues in, in our community, uh, we've been trying a lot of these things and pushing for a lot of these things for quite some time. Well, and that's another one, too. We, we don't even know what's going to happen with paramedic service, too, because there's some rumors out of Queen's Park right now that they may reorganize that on a, on a, a wider basis, too. So yep. uh, lots of questions, not enough answers yet, Paul. That's how, that meeting that you're going to have with the ministry next week is pretty important. 
It is. Uh, those conversations and the other pieces, you know, we have such a, a great season team in the Healthy and Safe Communities Department. We are at the right tables having the right conversations. Uh, I get it. Uh, you know, we have to raise the, elevate the conversation and the and a bit of the temperature on this in order to make sure that the, our needs are, are known. Um, but we want to keep the dialogue, uh, you know, happening and open. And I know that's what everybody's goal is. You know, as I say this, there are things that uh, that that we're happy with and we're moving forward on there's other things that we're less happy financially with and just want to work through those uh through those issues, but we'll keep those conversations happening. Hopefully the next time we talk uh, a little bit more on the solution side and what's next side, a little less of the uh, just long, long laundry list of uh, things that are keeping me up at night. <laughs> that would be nice. Paul, thanks as always. Appreciate the time today. Thanks, Bill. Take Bye-bye. care. Paul Johnson, uh, General Manager of Health and Safety Communities. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.